and welcome to Pod on the Dog episode 26. This podcast is brought to you by Natural Instinct. Now, raw feeding is a fabulous way of feeding your dog. We know that. But the most important thing is that your dog has a balanced diet. Now, Natural Instinct offer a super easy way of feeding a raw and importantly, balanced diet for your dog. And their food not only contains the freshest human grade British meat, but also fabulous ingredients like butternut squash, apples, sea kelp and spinach, just to name a handful. If you haven't, then make sure you give it a try and enter that discount code Verity15 at the checkout to receive 15% off. I'm your host, Verity Harcastle, and you can find me at Verity Harcastle on Instagram to follow all the latest shenanigans in dogdom. So today we are without a guest because, right, so my week, I have been in Switzerland, I have been in London, I have been in Manchester, and I've also been in Leeds filming and um it's just been one of those crazy crazy weeks where I feel like I've been chasing my tail I have been leaving my husband at the forefront of the ship holding together everything at home with the dogs and the kids and the puppies and everything and I've just not managed to get the time to record with any of the fabulous guests that I normally do now I have for next week So we will be back to normal next week. But I thought this actually might be a really nice opportunity to answer some of your questions that you send in to me on Instagram. So I asked on my stories if anybody was interviewing me, what they would ask me. So I thought this would be a really nice opportunity to actually answer some of those questions for you. So on to my questions. Now, the first one I have in is... What advice would you give yourself starting out looking back? So I'm answering these real time. I've not given them any thought before. I've not even really looked at them. So these are just real, my real knee-jerk, honest reaction to your questions. Now then, my advice to myself looking back. Now, I think it would be that it's okay to say no because it's really easy to get burnt out in this job and you know, I'm a, I'm a pleaser. I really am. And, you know, there's been so many huge dogs I've done where I've really just hurt my back. And I just think looking back, it's okay sometimes just to say, oh no, I don't think that that's for me. Or I just don't have the time in my schedule to do that right now. Just maybe trying to put myself first a little bit. I think that that would be my, my number one advice to myself. Um, what else? Maybe that when it comes down to it, you can only really rely on yourself. So often in business, you can't rely on other people so much. You know, the book stops with you. So I think it would be realizing that everything that I do is is on my shoulder sort of thing. It's, you know, you know, the book does stop with me as as a business owner and I think for me, it came to pass when I had my children, that was so hard juggling a big, busy business and trying to have children at the same time. That was hard. So I've got much better work-life balance now that I've scaled everything back a bit. And um, and now I have, you know, well, apart from this week, obviously just gone, but <laughs> I tend to have a better work-life balance. Now then, what's my next question? I have another one here and it says... What business advice would you give somebody in their first year of opening a new salon? So 
my first thing would be pricing. Don't price yourself low. Don't don't try and get customers by pricing low. Charge your worth. You know, you're skilled at what you do. Um, and love and care for each one of those dogs as if it's the most important dog of the day. And I really take great care in the dogs that I look after and I take a great interest in my clients and they mean a lot to me and they're very loyal. And I, you know, I love them for that. And I build up an amazing relationship with their dogs because of that. So yeah, so every dog that walks in your door, that is so important, that dog. Of course it is. And let the owner know, spend that time with them. And yeah, hopefully they will be a loyal and returning customer for you as well. Now then, what have we got here? Oh, where's the best human places to take your doggy? Oh, does that mean the best human places to take your doggy for a day out? I think maybe that might mean. Well, I love going to the beach. Can't I'm sat bang in the middle of the country, as in I'm north, but I'm in the centre of England. So going to the beach is a special treat for me because it's not near. And I think that's a wonderful family day out. You know, there's loads of dog-friendly beaches. I love that. If you like going to a pub, there's loads of dog-friendly pubs. That's such a nice thing to do, especially now it's, you know, winter's drawing in and it's nice to go for a walk and then go for a cosy drink. And I always love taking my dogs with me and give them a little cuddle as well. Now then, what's next? Have you ever got so overwhelmed with clients, dogs, paranoid that you don't know enough about dogs that it makes you want to quit? Oh, no. Um, I think the dog can be overwhelming when you're really, really busy. But it's never made me want to quit. Um, no, I don't think I don't think it has. I think that you're feeling really overwhelmed by clients and dogs. I think you're booking too much in for yourself. I think you need to take a step back. Don't book so much in. Make sure you schedule time in your day to take a break. Make sure you have a cup of tea. Make sure you take a lunch and try and finish at a reasonable time. And you know what? Take your weekends free. I stopped working a Saturday years ago. And you know what? I've never looked back. And yes, you'll get, you'll lose some clients who can only come on a Saturday, for instance. But generally, you don't lose, you know, you'll find that they'll try work around it. So make sure you take a weekend and do some fun stuff and, you know, enjoy your life as well, because you shouldn't be, you know, living to work. You should be working to live, right? So, yeah, I think if you're feeling overwhelmed with your clients and your dogs in your salon that it's making you maybe lose your passion or not want to do it, is that your day is just overwhelming because you've got too much on. So increase your prices a little bit and drop a dog. And if you, you know, if you're that busy, then you can afford to do a price rise because yeah, you might lose a couple of dogs, you know, and that's such a shame, but you don't want to get burnout and this job, we can easily get burnout. So next one, who inspires you in the grooming world and out of the grooming world? Gosh, um, there's so many people that inspire me. In the grooming world, there's so many amazing, amazing groomers. Obviously, poodle people in particular, there's loads of show people that really inspire me. There's loads of tremendous 
poodle people that inspire me. And in the in the out of the grooming world, it's people with a really good work ethic. I'm I'm a hard worker. I like creative people, you know. So let me think of some names because obviously I think you want names. I really love, obviously, Fiona Bruce is a really good friend of mine. She's been so helpful with me. She's, she's you know, she's a wonderful person. I also love Anders Russell. I think he is fantastic. He's also super kind and make sure you go back and listen to the podcast I did with him. That was a really interesting record. Yeah, there's so many. It's hard to, it's hard to pinpoint. There's so many incredible groomers in our industry right now, especially overseas in America and in Russia, all over the world that are just like, wow. When a dog is acting up on the table, what are your approaches? Okay, so my number one thing is remain calm. Do not get agitated. The moment you get agitated, you might as well put the dog down, reset, have a cup of tea, start again. Yeah, I don't tend to use restraints. I use a calm handling approach. Um, I do find that sometimes restraints make the dog worse. So I try and teach the dog to be calm on the table. Yeah, I mean, you're always going to have come across tricky dogs that have just been like that all the way through. So, But my main thing is remain calm, think zen-like thoughts, really calm and gentle handling, and just take it slow. And talk to the owner. Just explain to them, look... I think for this dog, it's best that we do a bath and dry one day. Then we'll do, you know, some trimming work the other day. Or or explain to them, look, you're not going to have this big fancy haircut. We're going to just do the same length all over on a four blade, all over and just do a cute face and, and work from there, working with the dog, slowly training the dog, just to be able to give you the time to get it used to whatever it is, is the trigger. And, And again, that's another thing is finding out what's, why is it acting up on the table? What is it? Is it the handling? Is it because it's not used to being on the table? Is it the bath? Is it the noise of the dryers? Is it the clippers? Is it, you know, it could be a multitude of things. So finding out what the issue is and then trying to work with the owner and also teaching the owner to, to try do their homework. I send tricky dogs like that home with homework for the owners to do. And I really, you know, if if I don't feel like they're putting the effort in at their end, then it's obviously it's disheartening and I just think, well, you know, I will try and help you to help your dog and we can work together. But it's a partnership, isn't it? Right? It's a partnership. It's their dog. We're just trying to give them a nice haircut. So yeah, that's my tips. (laughs) Now then my next question is, if you could please come and teach me your grooming ways, that would be great. Oh, (laughs) well, I used to do one-to-ones, but I, I stopped when we sort of went into the first lockdown and I've just not picked them up again because I've just been so busy doing other stuff. But, you know, maybe I'll do it again. And if enough people ask, then I might do a workshop. I think that would be really fun. With workshop sessions, you basically, you can bring your dog, trim it, and we can talk through it. And, you know, I can help you with tips on trying to speed it up or to, you know, perfect it. Yeah, that's that's lovely but yeah at the moment I don't do any one-to-one teaching now my next question is how did I become such an amazing groomer oh uh, stop (laughs) flattery will get you everywhere so 
I did my training with Look North initially, and I did my level three intro with Look North. But then I didn't stop because back then it was when the level three was split into two different exams. I don't think it is anymore. So I did my intro with Look North in Keithley and uh, I loved it. And you know what? Every night I was doing my homework. I was researching everything. I just ate, slept, drink, repeat, you know, did all that with grooming. And I didn't stop there, though. Once I'd done my intro, I traveled to Peter Ensel and Becky Ensel and did some terriers. I traveled to Yitka and did loads of hand stripping terriers with her. I did, I've done loads and loads of poodle one-to-ones and, you know, was showing the breed so that, you know, you learn so much from actually showing and handling the breed as well. And then I, where else have I been? I've been all over. Oh my gosh, I did so much, so many one-to-ones, so much extra training with breed specialists. I completed my full diploma. That's my full level three. And you learn so much by getting the dogs and, you know, oh, Westie and trying to do Westie days and trying to perfect, concentrating on one breed and trying to perfect that breed and then moving on to the next one. And obviously day in, day out, I was then running a salon and I was trimming all, you know, you name it, all the breeds. I seemed to trim them, which was great. I got such an array of pedigree dogs as well as crossbreed dogs, which was wonderful. And did, you know, I did my stint with um, the big dogs, everything from a Caucasian Shepherd and St. Bernard's and Newfoundlands all the way down to the Tinsy Wincy little dogs, which I love as well. And then I went and did my level four, my hires. And so with that, you have so much practical. It's almost like show level trimming. And I that was amazing because then I would get an American cocker and I'd think, right, I need to do an American cocker hand strip, full show trim. Who can I go to? And so wonderful groomers like Joe Botwood would then let me borrow her beautiful American cocker. And I did some training with her and then did that practical examination. And so I went through the motions like that, just trying to find dogs and yeah, and just going through all my examinations that way. And I think by pushing myself through that next stage of my examinations really helped me to, you know, just be an all-rounder. I didn't want to just, you know, I know that I trim a lot of poodles now, but believe me, in competition work, I've done everything from Bichons, Tibetan Terriers, Lasses, you know, I've done all sorts, you know, crossbreeds. I've done all sorts in competition. And um, and again, that's helped me as well because you get your critique and you get your feedback and attending dog shows and, you know, and looking at who's winning and what their dogs look like, examining the profile. And, you know, just every time I've got a dog on my table, even if it's, you know, Sue from around the corner, I still try and think, hmm. How do I make this dog look like the best version of itself? So, yeah, I love that. I love the variety of this job. And I think by doing all these different facets of dogs around the dog world, it's just really helped me to be a better groomer. And obviously now I'm on the Guild of Master Groomers, which I'm really proud of because I worked really hard for that. But, yeah, it's it's been really rewarding at the same time i hope that helps what's the best way to keep a poodle fur mat free well i would say 
it's maintaining it. You need to regularly bath and dry that dog. And I always obviously don't dry brush my poodles. I bath them every week. Well, <laughs> try to, but uh, <laughs> generally I bath them every week. Then they get a good brush out. Maintenance bath, they get conditioner on them as well. So they get conditioned through their top knots, through all the longer hair. And um, and then obviously I only use something that's nice for scissoring when I'm actually going to trim them. It's obviously as well, just trying to keep them a length that's practical for you. So if you have, uh, if you can't bath your dogs every week and brush them through and you're very outdoorsy and your dogs love, you know, wet, muddy walks, then, you know, a really long show coat isn't for you. Yes, you can keep them in a long show coat and have a normal lifestyle, 100%, but you have to be prepared to put the work in at home. So, yeah, there's my tips. What's your pet peeve with dog owners? Ah, um, what's my pet peeve with dogs slash owners? So my pet peeve with dogs, oh, I don't really have one because they're all so individual. I don't really feel like there's one. Oh, I know one thing that's a pet peeve actually because I had it the other day. I had two cockapoos. And you know when you need to do the ears and they have the head dropsy? You know when they're just like, drop the head. And you really need to get the head, the ears square and make sure they're even. And no matter what you do, as soon as you, you know, I do the the hairdresser finger for doing my cockapoo ears and I run it down and the head just goes, bloop. <laughs> I'm just like, please, please, because it's like, can't hold the dog under the chin and do the ears at the same time. So, yeah, that's always a bit irritating. Well, you know, I try not to get irritated, but it's a little bit irritating when they do that. Uh, My pet peeve with owners, um, I mean, they're lovely, aren't they? Just little things like I've been grooming their dog for 10 years and they're like, will you make sure you do the nails this time? And I think, I I don't know how to say it when it's like without coming across rude and say yeah yeah I'll make sure I do the nails like side note I do the nails every time without fail because I always do nails before they go in the bath always so and if I went out of that routine it just wouldn't happen because I'm so in autopilot when I'm grooming that I couldn't not do the nails because I do the nails always to come in come on my table I assess them I do the nails I clean the ears and they go in the bath so yeah so when they say stuff like that I'm like how do you how do you come across nice and say yeah no I always do it but I'm like I just end up saying yes of course yeah yeah I'll do the nails yeah (laughs) I'm just thinking in my head god's sake do you not think I do the nails I always do the nails as a wannabe groomer is the city and guilds the best qualification to go with I don't know. The sitting guilds is obviously the route I took, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's the best because it might not suit you the best because now there's a few recognised qualifications. I know the ICMG is looks quite fun. It's very practical orientated and it's very much studying the breed standards as well on, off the Kennel Club guide. So I think that looks quite fun. So 
Yeah, I don't really know, really. But one thing is that when you go to a lot of grooming competitions, there's some amazing people and they're like Joe Angus, who does talks on qualifications. So maybe speak to her if you're not sure about what route to go down and she could give you an overview of, you know, what the qualification entails and you can decide for yourself. I did the full sitting guilds route and I really enjoyed it, to be honest. I've got no, you know, nothing to say that's negative. So yeah, that suited me. But anyway, there's, there's, I don't know, there's all sorts of different qualifications now that are recognised. So yeah, speak to people who deliver those qualifications, get a feel for it and see what you think would suit you best. Now, the next question is, Colin Taylor wants to know, is Colin Taylor as amazing as he comes across? (laughs) What a cheek. Yes, darling. Yes. (laughs) Okay. After that, I've got, what would you be if you weren't a dog groomer? Oh, well, what would I be? Do you know what? For a while, I really wanted to be an architect. I'm really weirdly fascinated in building architecture. And whenever I'm anywhere, I always notice beautiful buildings. So I don't know what that is. I just have a real appreciation for a beautiful building. And yeah, architecture. I was I, I did I did sort of toy with that idea for a little bit. Uh what else? I also love interior design. I did think I think my number one job I always wanted to do when I was growing up was a, I wanted to be a vet. I always wanted to be a vet. And then I sort of toyed with the idea of being an interior designer. And I think my parents at the time were just thinking, well, interior design is not really a job. Of course, we know now it absolutely is a job. But um, I think they probably would have had the same attitude if I'd said I wanted to be a dog groomer at the time as well. Because I actually studied business and law and then went into dog grooming because I hated sitting down job. It wasn't for me. You know, I feel like actually I have slight ADHD. You know, I find it really hard to concentrate, you know, sat down, concentrate on maybe, you know, like at the moment I'm doing a lot of writing, you know, so I'm like, oh, I'll make a cup of tea. Oh, I'll, I'll put a load of washing on. You know, I find it hard to focus. I'll find excuses. <laughs> so I actually fell into dog grooming because I started showing a Doberman. And then that threw me into the dog show world when I was quite young and then sort of went off on that route. And um, yeah, and I'm obviously delighted. Loved it. You see, dog hair, it's great. Yeah, I can't think of anything else. Oh, I quite like horticulture as well. So I'd have quite liked to have been, you know, a gardener of sorts. I mean, like a Chelsea flower show gardener, not just someone mowing the lawn. (laughs) But yeah, really, really into that sort of thing. I, I, I quite like the outdoors and I think I really have appreciation for my garden. So I think that that's, that's where that comes in as well. So yeah, maybe, maybe one of those. What have you had to achieve to get where you are now? Have you enjoyed your journey? Oh, what have I had to achieve to get to where I am now? A lot, of, a lot of sacrifice, really. A lot of freaking hard work, to be honest. Megan Sparkles. <laughs> um, yeah, I've worked really, really hard. I'm not going to lie. 
I've worked my ass off. I didn't want to just be a dog groomer. I was determined to be the best dog groomer that I could possibly be. And I'm very driven and I've worked very, very hard. I'm not going to lie that this hasn't fallen on my lap. The position I'm in right now, it's come through sheer dedication to my work and drive. Yeah, drive and dedication and yeah, a lot of sacrifice, sacrifice. Sometimes, you know, it's quite sad, you know, my time with my children, you know, cause I work so hard. And I think, especially when your children are young and you're self-employed, I mean, many of you might know this, that when you're a mother and you have a business to run and you're self-employed, you don't have the luxury of having a nine month maternity leave. Plus I took two months ish off. And then I was back to work and that was hard. I remember I used to sit in my car. I used to drop my children off at childcare and I used to cry on my way to work. And that's, that's so sad to talk about that now, looking back there, two and four. And yeah, I love my work though. And I love what I do. And I love, I love the balance of the work being out there being, I I don't think I would have been a good full-time mum, stay at home mum in hindsight, but yeah, it's been a lot of sacrifice. And I just think all the time when I'm working really hard and I'm building a future for them so they can do all the things that they really enjoy doing as well. But it does mean that I feel like I'm pulled at every angle because because when I get home, I obviously then want to be 100% mum, which is great. But then, you know, it gets to half seven, they're in bed and I just want to collapse because I'm so, I'm so tired. But, um, but yeah, yeah. What was the other part of your question? Here we go. And have you enjoyed your journey? Yeah, absolutely. I've enjoyed my journey. I have. I don't even know if that answered your question. I've really deviated there, didn't I? But yes, I've enjoyed my journey. (laughs) It's been, it's been wild. (laughs) Now then, what's next? What breeds have you not groomed before that you'd love to groom? Ooh, this is a good question. Um, I would love to groom. I've not done it. I've never done a Chinese crested, a hairless Chinese crested. I've done a powder puff, but never a hairless Chinese crested. I have never done a beaver terrier. So I was speaking to Jonathan David on the podcast. I've never done a beaver terrier. I've, um, I don't even think I've seen one with my actual eyeballs. I would love to groom one of those. What else would I love to groom? Oh, Pumi. I've never groomed a Pumi. I'd really like to groom a Pumi because obviously they go against the grain of a lot of other breeds out there. So yeah, there's quite a few breeds I've not groomed. Um, And I'm always up for a new challenge. Yeah. Now then, my next question is, What's the toughest qualification dog related you have done? Oh, so that's definitely my highest. Yeah, 100%. That's tough, man. Especially, I, I really enjoyed the practicals and I passed those all first time. And I think most of them were distinction. Don't mean to brag, but there we go. Be proud of what you do. But the blooming exam that you sit, like the sitting exam. Oh, my goodness me, that is tough. It's really, really tough. So much to remember, so much revising, and I am not good at retaining that sort of information. My goodness me. 
yeah, that was really hard. And another question here. How do you deal with a picky customer? I think manage their expectations. Tell them that you'll do the best job that you could possibly do. And you will try and tweak it next time. I always say I do full notes. So if there's anything you want slightly different next time, just let me know. There has been a customer in the past that springs to mind who had a standard poodle who would not let me clip its feet. It would get so distressed, so, so, so distressed, throwing itself all over. The customer was adamant that she wanted this poodle's feet clipping. And even with, I was just like, I'm sorry, I'm not putting the dog through this. I can't do it. And that's just not the groomer I am. Maybe there is a groomer out there that would pin the dog down and do that. That's, I don't like that. And that's no. So I said no. And she went elsewhere. And I was like, fine, you know, fine. Go find somebody that's, you know, going to put your dog through that. If you want to be that sort of dog owner, I'm not okay with that. Um, so I just think stick, stick to your grounds, be strict and, you know, you're the qualified professionals. So manage their expectations, make sure they don't, they're not asking for anything that's undoable or even undoable to yours. You know, so if you're not really up on complex hand stripping, then be honest, say, you know, this isn't really my area. Pass it on, perhaps. But, um, but if they're just sort of a bit generally picky about, well, oh, the ears weren't quite right, you know, just smile and just say, well, I hope I get them right next time. Because you'll, you know, I'm not going to lie. I've had somebody out with a tape measure before. It's happened. They've brought a tape measure back. And yeah, my, I, I, I tried so hard not to let my eyes roll into the back of my head so hard in front of them. Just smile and, you know, customer service is so important. And, you know, you can have a moan when they've gone. <laughs> Do you still have your grooming salon open or do you do more TV work now? No, I'm still a working groomer. I work two and a half days a week trimming dogs still. Yep, yep, yep. I still work trimming dogs and I love it. This is my bread and butter. I do not want to lose my skill. I mean, I know people say it's like riding a bike, but yeah, I do. Yeah, I love it. And I do not want to lose that. And... um yeah, I do obviously all sorts of different things. Like I'm writing a book. I have various deals with other companies that I have to fulfill. I have this podcast, my family. I've got a litter of puppies right now that's, you know, crazy. So I'm very busy, but um, but I do not want to stop trimming because I love my clients and I love their dogs and... I actually really enjoy it. You know, we do this job because we love it, right? So we should, we should love it. So maybe I've got it nailed because I actually really love going to my salon and I love working and I never, never sit in, you know, I never think in the morning, oh, work. I've been in jobs where I have, trust me. Like, you know, wanted to do anything but go to work, but I skipped to work. It's great. Next question is, what do you think has improved you the most as a groomer? Ooh, pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone and trying different things, going to competitions. That's like, 
if you're trying to, if you're a bit stuck in a rut, go to a grooming competition. I'm going to sneeze. Go to a grooming competition, meet other groomers, make a network around yourself, talk to other groomers, go to seminars, learn, try and learn from other people, go to some dog shows. You know, dog shows are amazing. If you're into a breed of dog, try get get in touch with a decent breeder. Try get one that's show quality and have a think about just going to some ring craft and trying that. It's amazing how much you'll learn from going to these things like ring craft and talking to other pedigree dog owners and just having these, just you sit down at ring craft, having a, having a cup of tea or something. And it's amazing in these conversations, how much you learn from these people. Yeah. So I just think from so many different facets, you can learn so much. And and I have, and I've just, I've just tried to do it all. And yeah, just try to be a sponge. Where do you get your energy from? Funny, because I'm sat here after traveling halfway around Europe. Oh, listen to me. I'm full of cold. And it, you know, this is another reason why I'm a bit behind this week. Because I've been burning the candle at both ends, obviously, traveling, working, trying to hold everything together. And obviously, it just comes out in a great big cold. So, yeah, my energy is not always great. I think the key for like a good work energy is go to bed early, try to keep yourself organized, drink lots of water. There. That's all it is. Yeah. Go to bed early, drink lots of water and just keep a list. I always try to make a list every morning of what I need to do that day. And then that keeps me driven. Right, I need to get this stuff done that day because if I don't, you know, I feel overloaded. So, yeah. Bit mad though, isn't it? I do know. But if you can be a groomer, what job would you want to do? Oh, I've already answered this one. That's cool. So we think we said like interior designer, I think would be my number one on there right now. I just absolutely love home decor. You know, I'm obsessed. And if you've seen on my stories over the time, I need to actually put it in my highlights for my home reno that I've done and my decorating and everything. I love it. Did you ever struggle with the grooming industry, i.e. the customers, the physical strain on your body, etc.? Mm, yeah, I have done in the past. I've had I've had a bit of burnout before when I've been working five days a week. Um, you do feel like you're on the slow boat to China, don't you? Like, same thing today. Customers, well, yeah, you're going to get difficult customers in all walks of life and do you know what this job is a customer facing job a lot of what we do is customer service so yeah it can be tricky managing that sometimes I just think always just be polite plaster a smile on your face no matter how you feel um, treat that dog with respect and the owner with respect no matter you know what sort of, there's not what sort of thing they're saying or asking for um, and you know it's okay to say no so if you're really not gelling with a customer or a dog it's okay for you to say oh this isn't for me because you've got to be happy in your job um the strain on your body yeah my back's not great and that's definitely from grooming so make sure you're wearing good sturdy shoes with insoles that are supporting your feet properly when you're working all day long make <laughs> i always make sure i wear trainers and I even have like arch support and put that in my trainers 
and I try and do Pilates. Pilates is great for your back. Stretches in the morning really helps as well. And uh, eating right, obviously we need good nutrition because we've got a really active physical job. So I hope that helps. But we'll call that a day. I've been chatting on for a while and as you know, I'm full of cold. So I'm going to go get myself a nice hot bath. Thank you so much to everybody for listening. And if you don't do anything else, make sure you subscribe to Pod on the Dog. And obviously rate it if you can, because it helps other people to find it. As ever, a big thank you to Natural Instinct for sponsoring Pod on the Dog. If you fancy changing your dog to a natural and fuss-free way of feeding a raw diet, just find out more by heading over to the website and applying Verity15, that discount code, to get that 15% off. So that's a bye from me, and I'll be back next week with an amazing guest. I cannot wait for you to talk to her. She is a sensation. She's so well-known all over the world, and you're going to love it. So bye!